What was the title of your sermon? Overview. That's what I thought. Right. <laughs> uh, my creative juices usually come more on Thursday. Here so. I'm worried, like, did he like the bumper? Is the graphic okay? What's the title for the sermon? Overview. <laughs> I think I'm doing all right. <laughs> I should just let that be the intro. Oh, man. Hello, and welcome back to Cold Pizza. Today is Monday, October the 17th, and you're listening to not the briefing, but the cold pizza. <laughs> what? Well, hey, guys. I haven't given the Monday thing yet. <laughs> cold pizza, and it's and it's the afternoon, yeah. and I'm, I'm pretty tired. I'm going to try again. No, don't try again. Just leave this up as the thing. Might as well. We're unofficial at this point, right? No, we're official. We just haven't, haven't gone live. Uh, yeah, welcome to Cold Pizza. We're happy that you joined us. And we are covering the sermon titled Overview uh, for Hebrews. <laughs> Pastor Matt brought us into Hebrews yesterday, and he has joined us today. Say hello, Pastor Matt, probably again. Hello. Uh, we talked about... Um, Looking at, again, that grand picture of Hebrews, it's always fun when we get into a new series. Um, and something that you've heard us talk about, you know, in the background as we try to shift into these. But these are legitimately, not necessarily difficult sermons, but challenging to, to try to say so much so succinctly. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it's hard, like, um, uh I mean, first to study something and then to f- try to figure out, okay, what what are the primary themes? What what seems to be the big picture? So I literally sat down on on Monday last week uh, and already had a good idea of these things, but I just just went through and read Hebrews again, yeah, and just wrote down all the main ideas, mm-hmm. and then saw like kind of what rose to the surface, not like what I thought rose to the surface, or at least what I wanted to rise to the surface but what what we're repeating what was yeah. what kept coming back and so it was hard to kind of nail down the themes but it's also like hard to say there's so much to be said you know but but the fun part about it is i kind of got to hit all the highlights yeah. that i kind of stole a lot of the thunder from everywhere else all the early interest <laughs> yeah 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 so so that was fun that those was fun. ones make me nervous because yeah i mean we this isn't my first, you know, rodeo with Hebrews. You know, research it in school, and certainly we can go through in our regular study and come up with the th- what are the three main points of Hebrews. But when you know that you're getting ready to spend the next year and a half in it, like I was uh, looking at Dr. Muller's commentary, they spent two years preaching through hmm. Hebrews. I, I feel like my final three points on the other end are going to be. <laughs> They'll be different. Better and different. They'll be know? different. And so there's like part of me that doesn't want to commit to giving those up front because I'm like, well, I don't know. I need more time to look at it. <laughs> so. I don't. I don't. I know you don't either. I don't. I don't struggle with perfectionism. <laughs> like, so I'm very much okay with these three points changing and morphing. Yeah. And for me, I, I'm very much okay with saying at the end of Hebrews, some of my views changed. Sure. I, I'm. I'm very much okay with that. Well, um, I don't think that these three ones will change. <laughs> You say that now. <laughs> Deeper, maybe. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, with that, uh, one of the opening 
quotes that you let off with, which I think really is helpful in setting up a book like this and, and the topics that we're talking about, was the, the idea of the price of a flaky life. He said, with the loss of truth comes the loss of hope, and with the loss of hope comes the loss of endurance. And so I, I think it'd be helpful to unpack um, what would it look like to lose faith. I mean, we're going to talk about that a lot, particularly when we get to the warnings of Hebrews. But what do we mean when we talk about losing faith and losing this, this truth and hope and endurance? Because the endurance aspect you're saying, you'll lose your faith. You won't make it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, when it comes to loss of faith, faith is this hope in things unseen like this it's a it's more of a uh, a firm belief it's more of a uh it's more than just a mental assent to something it's more than just a uh a feeling good about something but it is a a a a hope a a belief in something with a with a strong measure of certainty and something that um, uh, is unseen. So uh, this the other aspect of that. You can have faith, though, in something that's false, um, but that's not going to get you anywhere. It's not effective faith. It's not. It's it's really useless. It's foolishness. I mean, it's, <clears throat> it's Paul's warning to us if the resurrection is not true. Correct. Absolutely. So. Uh, so there, that's where the truth comes into it. It's where Jesus is truth, and we have to have faith in Him, and and then all truth as it proceeds from Him. So to lose faith in truth, then there there is no hope. There 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 can't be hopefulness um, because your uh, either your faith is in something untruthful, so therefore it's not right, it's not correct, it's not going anywhere, it's not, it's not useful. Um, or you can have truth and not have faith in that truth. So I was thinking about this idea of how do we lose faith. <clears throat> and I came across this quote from uh, John Piper. It says, Most shipwrecks of faith are not at root intellectual but rather because I want what I want and Christianity is in the way. And I, I've been on this, uh, even before I read that quote, I was uh, encouraging another pastor friend of mine going through some struggles. And I've, I, what I've been thinking about a lot lately is that, that people, um, that the idea of like reason... Uh, even though even though most people would disagree with this statement uh, in their self-assessment, but most people have just the reason has uh, the idea of reason has set sail like that that ship has sailed. Oh yeah. Uh, and and what what for most people, what they think is reasoning is really just them emotionally wrestling. Mm-hmm. So what it is is they want something they. Feel something, they desire something, and then it just becomes a wrestling match with truth and falsehood, and trying to like maneuver those things into such a way that supports their emotional commitment. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's, so there's a loss of actual rationalism. I mean, even the Greeks would separate those two things. 
from the intuition or the gut and then the the mind for the knowledge yeah and for our culture they just conflate the two yeah yep most people are just not interested in reason anymore but they're committed to it so it must be reasonable yes yes i all yeah <laughs> yes uh it just seems like reason has has been shot um in the head and is lying on the floor dead um but instead what people what's happening is people want what they want and then nothing else matters so they'll either ignore truth or they'll embrace something as truth without actually reasoning through it or they will shade it just a different color or they'll say ah it's not that important um and, and the reality is and what what stinks is i mean as we come through um i mean as we come the scriptures that that they're all truth but as we work through uh hebrews who is talking about this christ who is superior and we know him as truth and we know that faith has to be in the truth the reality is is that this person that's uninterested in truth that you really can't help this person the person that's more interested in supporting their emotional commitment uh you really you can't help that person and i know as christians we're like ah but we can help everybody and and you know we we uh, you know and and there's a there is it is true that that god can rescue anyone but there's this there's this also this reality with a person who's not interested in the truth that to throw them anything is like throwing pearls before pigs uh it's it's kind of the epitome of uh the proverbs where you rebuke a scoffer and you'll incur injury because mm-hmm. they're they're not interested you you really can't help this person they're unwilling to seek or to see the truth. You know, in Romans 1, they're suppressing the truth. Um, they, they don't want the truth. And Jesus says to Pilate that, um, that I've come for this mission uh, to proclaim the truth. Yeah. And then he says, everyone who's mine wants the truth. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, I paraphrase that, but that... So, how do you how do you help that person? I mean, really, at the end of the day, the, the best that you can do is just, is pray, pray that that person would be rescued from their reprobation. Yep. That that they that it seems at this point that they are consigned to hell. That they, they have no interest in the truth, and and if you if they have no interest in the truth, then you're proclaiming the truth. They don't care. So it doesn't mean you shouldn't proclaim the truth. There's time to do that. Oh, but, absolutely. Paul was a, and such were some of you. Yeah. But for the truly reprobate, then we need to recognize that there are people out there who will never respond to the truth. That's, yeah. that's the flip side to the coin of election. Yeah. And that could be people who once said they believed the Christ. Yep. 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 We crucify the Lord twice. Yeah. So, so that kind of led, led me to this question. So, I mean, obviously we, we want to be people then. We want to humbly say... God, I, I could be that Hebrews 3 person who has a heart that grows hardened. Mm-hmm. And a heart that grows hardened to what? To the truth. Uh, ultimately, to the truth of the gospel. And we don't want to be that person. So how do you... And, and that is what would happen if you let go of the faith. Or those things go together. That hardening and and flaky faith, losing faith, like those things go together. So how do you hold 
fast. And just off the top of my head, a, a few things. Um, you have to make a daily exercise of humbly submitting yourself to the objective truth of the scriptures. And, and, I, and yes, that means sitting down and reading your Bible. Yes, that means praying. But what, what I think that more means practically for most of us, to put some teeth to it, is in between breakfast and lunch, when you're faced with that moment where your desires are evil or your emotions are out of line, that you would boldly tell your emotions or your desires to get in line. Mm-hmm. That you would say, that's not what I read in my Bible. Get, that's get, an active faith. Yeah, that you would tell your desires, get behind me, Satan. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that you would realize that, that that moment right there is a good work that God prepared beforehand that, that you would walk in it. Yep. Like, the good works that he prepared beforehand is not just uh, giving the uh, hygiene bag to the poor person on the side of the road. Yep. Uh, or it's not just uh, you know shoveling the snow so your wife can get out to her car. Um, it's also that moment of telling your emotions to get in line mm-hmm. and not letting them run rampant like a bunch of kids at a daycare. Yep. So, but humbly submitting yourself to the objective truth of the scripture. So in that moment, saying like this, this desire is evil. This emotion is not coming from a good place, and this is what I believe to be true. Um, according to the scriptures. And then, and then second, humbly submit yourself to true godly community of people who are doing the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a- that a- and, actual active <clears throat> teammates who are playing the same game. And, and, and listen, I, this is the dividing line in our, in our world today. It's the dividing line, not just between the church and the culture, but it's the dividing line between true churches and what were once maybe true churches. Mm-hmm. It's churches that that are genuinely, truly believing that the truth is what reigns and rules as it proceeds from the mouth of Christ mm-hmm. versus, ah, the way you feel. Or I know you experienced that, and so let's put a stamp of approval on it. Like, th- those are the things that... So, we're just commiserating. <clears throat> like, oh, it is hard, and someday it'll get better. Yeah. But for now we just either submit to it or just say, No, this is this is what I experience and so it's it's not going away rather than actively putting your commitments to work against yeah. it. Yeah. Your convictions. Yeah. You know, it, the uh, the beauty I think, I mean one of the encouraging things I, that I've been thinking about is <clears throat> you know, man and woman were made together to exercise dominion over the earth in their respective ways. Well, Paul tells us to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. What's he saying? He's saying to exercise dominion, to will, so to choose, to exercise dominion over your mind and subsequently your emotions and and self-rule. Well, if it's a command given to us that... And... It was a command given to us pre-fall, at least the exercise, the, the command to exercise dominion. So we were created with the ability and the call to exercise dominion. And then it's instructed to us to then exercise dominion over our thoughts and over our subsequently our emotions and our entire lives. Then we have the grace to do that. We, we have it's the ability to do that. a new creation. Yeah. 
And we've been set free from the bondage. And that today, I was, I was walking in the Target, and just to be honest, I felt like I was in a twilight zone. <laughs> and and it wasn't it wasn't the LGBTQ stuff. And I mean, I mean, maybe that was part of it. But I just walked around. And well, I don't know. I was there. It was June. <clears throat> it was rainbows. <laughs> well. I mean, but I, I, yeah, there, I didn't, I didn't notice any rainbow. I mean, I, I saw the occasional, occasional crazy person with a mask on, but, um, the, the anti-COVID masks that is, um, and I just was like, man, how so many of these people, they're just, they're all in bondage. Like they're in bondage to, to, uh, uh, to this way of life, uh, in the race of Adam. And, um, I was just saddened. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah, every time I start to feel oppression from the increasing hostility to Christianity, you go into an environment like that, and you're like, no, their oppression is is a lot worse than yeah than the law of liberty yeah. that I live by. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, you know, most hopefully most of you can relate to me, or hopefully most of those who are listening, Russ, can relate to this point, but. Um, I, I, I would not, most people would not consider me a very emotional person. Matter of fact, I've, I've been accused of having being, no having no emotions, um, <laughs> which is funny. So some would probably call me a liar at this point and that's okay. They can lie about me being a liar, but <laughs> I actually struggle with emotions a lot. Like there's so much of my day, every day is a wrestle with my emotions. So when I get up and preach about, uh, you can, you don't have to live underneath the tyranny of of rampant emotions if you stand on objective truth like that that is that is something I struggle with multiple times every single day. I have to tell my emotions to get in line. I you know like that. And and I, but I guess what I, what I want to land on there is that the the beauty and and the amazing gift we have through the power of the Spirit and the objective truth given to us in the Word of God is that you and I can rule over those things. Mm-hmm. Um, together. That's, together. I mean, that's the helpful thing with yeah. the godly community piece yeah. is that we're all pursuing that common mission. We're all trying to know, love, and obey. Mm-hmm. And so if this is the actual mission, right? It, it, it gets so wrapped up into all these other great big things but that is the simple mission to hold fast that simple persevering truth gets lost among these big fast and famous churches and their missions their visions everything they're trying to accomplish but what we're trying to do is build a church community that holds fast yeah 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 and, you know and i was thinking about how, how do you build uh, a church community that holds fast and you know we're, we're going to get to this in uh Oh my goodness! Is it chapter eleven, uh, chapter twelve? I, those two I confuse always. But do you remember where he says, "Let us uh, hold fast. Uh, let us not forsake gathering together." Uh, the the let us yeah those. <clears throat> so you know the end of next year, <laughs> we'll finally get to some more context. I guess I guess in Hebrews three we'll we'll get there too. Um, the so so I take that back. We'll get there in the spring. <laughs> Um, of this community that that helps us hold fast, and so how do we do that? One of the thoughts was like, like we really should have the like baseline, normal, run of the mill expectation. But when you're looking at the person, I mean, this is a part of our church covenant. Mm-hmm. It's very clear that you can and should 
expect the person sitting next to you, if they are a covenant member, that they are committed to the Bible. Mm-hmm. That they that they they're not just they're not just giving word affirmation. Yes, I believe the Bible, but they are committed to knowing the Bible, to being in the Bible. And when push comes to shove. Regardless of how they feel, regardless of what they've experienced, regardless of what they desire, regardless of any of those things, that they will submit to the Word of God. Yeah, if we're the open Word it up together and see what it has to say. And yes, and they're going to have self doubt that when their emotions and when their lives are on fire, that they're going to stop and think, "Oh, could I be shading the scriptures in a different way?" Mm-hmm. I, I can't. How many times I've heard, particularly over the past couple of years, well, that's just your interpretation. Well, that's just, uh, okay. Well, that might that might be my interpretation, your interpret, but your interpretation is coming from a field that's on fire. Yep. Uh, and and my field over here has got lots of wildflowers growing and and fruit and and vegetables coming. Like, so I. No, no maybe because you've been you've been weeding your garden. <laughs> so so maybe the cloud, the smoke coming up has clouded your vision and your interpretation. Yep. So the, the to be a part of a community, it means we're going to have to expect that. And when I say expect that, what I mean is like that you're calling each other to it, mm-hmm. that that you're saying, OK, well, where do you see that at in the scriptures? Yeah, and that shouldn't be a surprise. It shouldn't be a, a last-ditch effort. It should be the starting point. Exactly. I mean, you, you said earlier an expectation. That should be the expectation. So with that, I was thinking, you know, it means a, a commitment to objective, authoritative truth. And objective truth, authoritative truth is a person. It's a person that's represented himself, who has chosen to represent himself objectively through words for us to know and words for us to understand and words for us to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, that also means being committed to a church that loves the things that the Bible says we ought to love and to hate the things the Bible says we ought to hate and to love them with the amount of fervor that the Bible tells us we should. Yeah, that one blows my mind the most, that we would dare have the audacity to affirm the things that the Scriptures love. <laughs> I know, right? Why, why are we saying this? <laughs> why should I have to say this? I just, what else is there, right? I mean, to me, it's, uh, to me, for a church to not get this, to, to not understand this, is the picture of Peter, or of Jesus turning to the to the apostles after the crowds have left him and said, so what? Are you guys going away too, right? And Peter says, where else will we go, Lord? Mm. Where else will we find the words of truth, mm. the words of life? Yeah. Uh, like, What else is there? <laughs> what else should we be about? Uh, well, that gets to our, we'll get there in just a moment, but that gets to our Jesus is superior. Yeah. Like Peter in that moment believed that Jesus, Jesus's words were superior. Mm-hmm. And I, we just, that's just lost on us today. You know, we think Netflix is superior. We think our sports team statistics are superior. We, we think my arc is I'm I'm leading fantasy football right now. 
you might think you might think your spouse's emotions are superior or you might think your boss's and the paycheck he gives you superior i mean you you might think your kids's approval is superior or your kids's being liked at school is superior or your uh, educational decisions are superior I, I just there's so many options for us yep um yeah in some ways i kind of envy adam and eve in this moment cuz it was creation like creation as in like animals to go take care of mm-hmm. and a garden to weed um or god <laughs> like adam i yep. mean i don't want to give adam too hard of a time here but but man that was your two you had like three choices uh-huh. and today i've got a bazillion choices yeah so i might be oversimplifying that but Love the things about and, and to love them to the, the to the degree that the Bible tells you to love them, mm-hmm. not to the degree you want to love them. Yeah, right. So that way we hold things in the right order. Mm-hmm. That we, it's so. I, I was telling someone the other day. I, we just we get bent out of shape so much be just because we just have unbiblically defined expectations. Oh yeah. Yes. Yes. We. we <laughs> Like calm hobby horses, calm soapboxes, whatever, and you get in a tizzy. Like I want you to stop and think. Like, do you? Is that really? Does the Bible really lead you to get that bent out of shape about that item? Right. I was telling you about a tweet I read earlier about someone <laughs> getting offended about a, uh, or getting on a different color race of people for showing up on time for something when the, his race is, uh, uh, is prefers you to be late because they're running around getting things done at the last minute. Mm-hmm. Well, he's over there fussing about that, and then you've got Al Mohler over here fussing about, um, about a Virginia legislature that's trying to pass a law that would allow parents that don't affirm their LGBTQ kids uh, to be held liable for criminal charges. Listen, one is not like the other. No, they're clearly both criminal. One is worth getting really, really upset about. Well, in the first <laughs> one, you didn't give me grace that I also didn't ask for, that I also yeah. don't deserve, so therefore you clearly must hate me. Yes, criminal, yes. Criminal acts. So how much of our days do we get upset? Anyways, I'm on a tangent here. But this is also loving the things at the level the Bible tells and hate those things at the level the Bible tells us to hate those things. It also means being gracious to each other, but holding others to the Scriptures. Like, And those things should not be pitted against each other. They're, yeah, they're, they're so, held so in both hands. They're, they're, and maybe the better way to say it would be holding others to the Scriptures and knowing when to cover over. Like that, instead of p- putting graciousness on one on one hand and scriptures on the other and holding accountable it should be more because holding people accountable to the scriptures is being gracious i was going to say it's gracious in that the expectation along all of these expectations that we're saying should be regular is that those people will repent yeah if a fellow church person who's living in repentance i'm not at odds with that person they're doing the work yeah Right, that's yeah. that's faith and repentance. They had unbelief. Now they are repented of that, and they're walking in faith. And so, this, those are definitely not at odds. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, with that repentance and faith, like I think we sometimes think about true and lasting change, and then we wonder why in ourselves, 
um, hopefully we start there and then looking at others that we like wonder why sometimes true and lasting change doesn't actually happen. Um, and you know, the, the second point in the sermon from Sunday was that Jesus is superior, which is really, in, in my opinion, at least the main point of at least the first half of chapter one. Um, but it's certainly a main theme going throughout all of Hebrews. Um, and I think our true and lasting change will only happen if in that circumstance, in that scenario, that you really do truly see that Jesus is superior. Mm-hmm. And and what I don't mean, and, and I think, I, I don't necessarily know of anybody who's teaching this, but um, I know in some like worship songs, there can be this sense of like, uh, well, Jesus is superior at making you feel better than anything else. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I, and I, I do think that true faith uh, that's in the right thing, that, that, that's, that's in truth, will lead to a, a better, healthier, more enjoyable state of our emotions, certainly. But, but that's not when, when I say Jesus is superior, I don't, I'm not thinking, how can I work myself up into an emotional frenzy where I think that Jesus is better? Well, that would be your first point of uh, the TED Talk of faith, the blissfulness, right? Yes, yes, yep, yep. But instead, knowing objectively that Christ is superior, and how is he superior in this moment of my sin struggle? Mm -hmm. How is he superior? So you know those sins, like you just keep slipping and slipping and slipping, dig in and figure out where where am I believing that the the justification that I might have or the the alternate reality that I'm trying to feed myself right here why is it that I believe this is superior to Christ mm-hmm. why so I think fundamentally what's happening is the security of justification that you sense from the God that you're worshiping when you're committing sin A, uh, you believe that that security of justification is superior to the justification you believe you can find through Jesus. Mm -hmm. Can you think of a a sin that might be very applicable that we can kind of sandbox in that topic and round our time out with that? Um, All of them. Uh, And it's usually, I think, what is... is what really sells this for me is uh, on the other side of the sin, right? So generally we talk about fighting our sin and we're, we're preventing ideally, but the reality is, is that we sin. And so what always happens on the other side is that we find out that the sin was a lie, right? Mm -hmm. It did not deliver. It cannot deliver what it promises. And so the, the term I usually use is you taste death, right? Yeah. So anything from pornography to food uh, for comfort to um, kids and even parents, um, you know, adoration or accolades, uh, affirmation and stuff, whatever you're you're trying to get it from your kids, from your spouse, from from your parents, whoever it might be, from a boss, all of those things, all of them are enjoyable in the moment. That's Mm -hmm. why they're tempting. Um, But recognizing and ideally remembering the last time. That when you took that bite of that apple, it 
was death. It tasted like death. And by taking the bite of the apple, tell me, like, take an example. What does that What does that look like? So take like the kids yeah. and the accolades from your kids. So it's it's fine to get accolades from your kids, and we should even desire accolades from yeah, so our kids. Did you structure your entire Saturday to appease them? Yeah. To the neglect of the mission of the family. Yep. Did you did you structure uh, or avoid hard topics with your spouse um, to keep the peace rather than to actually take a step forward as a family yeah. to the mission that you're supposed to or to, to confront them on sin? Or did you um, give in to um, any kind of moment of weakness in your vice of choice in order to not have to deal with the reality of whatever pain you're going through? Yeah, yeah. So what what you're saying in that moment is your sense of rightness, Mm -hmm. sense of like, I'm okay with the world and I am secure, is in those moments being found in keeping the peace at home or the approval of your child or uh, drinking a little too much alcohol uh, or... Uh, you you said you name your vice mm-hmm. like that so in that moment that's where I'm saying or you're eating a cookie or too many cookies or or twenty um, they were small uh, like and in those moments your sense of security even though even though it might just be for a fleeting five minutes or it might be for five days or five years. Uh, and those five minutes usually turn into five days and five months and five years. Of consequences, too. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And so in that moment, that's what I'm talking about. That is that moment where you are feeling the security that can only come from justification by faith through grace. That is a gift of God. That is a gift of God because what you're believing is the lie that you won't really die. In fact, you'll be like him. Yes, and like him specifically, meaning you can secure your own security. That's that's the lie. You'll be like him. And you can discern what is right and wrong and therefore earn your righteousness. So in that moment, if I just give in to my child, or if I just give in to my spouse or, or whatever the vice is, that I can, by the works of my hand, secure my eternal comfort. Yep. That only comes as a free gift of God yeah. by grace through faith in the justifying work of Jesus. Because then you period step, you step through that door, and on the other side of that door of sin, you see that the ground's falling apart. Yeah, you get to that shakable ground, you get to that sandy ground. Whereas the justification that comes through the door of Jesus Christ gives you that unshakable kingdom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- this this works in the context of like. When you're, uh, you know, under the tyranny of someone else's emotional subjectivity, mm-hmm. where where you're tempted in that moment, you may not be sinning yet. They're sinning, but in that moment, you're they're, tempted. They're sinning by using you as their sacrificial as, justification. Yes, yes, and then you can be tempted in that moment to sin by submitting yourself. To, and how do you do that practically? Well, you're saying, I will feel most secure if I, meaning I'll feel most justified and eternally comforted if I submit myself and appease 
and follow the rulership of their subjective emotionalism, their emotional desires and preferences. And, and then what are you, what are you saying? You're, you're saying, I can be God, and I've deemed that person worthy to define morality for me instead of the Word of God, and then I now walk as a, as a slavish ghoul to that person's defined righteousness. Um, and that, if, if, that, if you want to fight sin, like that's one of the, at the very core. Yes. So when we say you need the gospel daily, daily, yes. this is what we're talking about. Yes. So we lead, learn this in DNA. This is a 100% DNA. <laughs> it absolutely is. It's just a little bit different language. And it's getting to the heart of justification. But this is the more, yeah. I mean, it's all theological. But this is the this is the headier version of understanding the fact that we are placing our trust for justification yes. in something else. Yes, that, that's what we're really after every time we're talking about it in DNA. Um, and and the, and again, the, the the same though fix is is in place is that Jesus is superior. Yes. You actually have to taste and see. And I yeah. have some concerns here and there of the idea. I mean, we have a song. It's called Jesus is Better. And even saying that he's superior is, in a sense, to say that he's the best, as if there were other legitimate options. It's just this is the <laughs> yeah. best. That's that's not what we're saying. We're saying he's the only one. It's an exclusive betterness. <laughs> right? It's a better with no other option. With no other option. So there so, is no other so maybe technically better is not a good word. No, he's just straight up Lord. <laughs> and maybe superior is is not uh, is not good. I don't know. Maybe yeah. we should rethink that. But but to the point, you have to taste and see. You have to you have to know. Yeah, yeah. it brings us back to the truth thing. Well, which, which the the better thing would be to get to where you are filling yourself up with the superiority of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Such that, in the moment, that can ooze out, versus always responding to sin. Yes, and and I think that's that's where we we really, for many of us, have got to go next. We should be living in victory rather than living in response. Yeah, if 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 your if you find your quiet times or the time in your Bible is always goaded by or prodded. Uh, or motivated by sin in your life or the sin of others, then who's actually in the driver's seat? Yes, you need to read Ephesians 6 again. Yeah. That's what actual warfare should look like. Yes. Instead, it should be you going out. Um, what was it? Uh, what was it Doug Wilson said? Yeah, he said, <laughs> he said, don't spend your days getting up. Um, uh, trying to put out all the fires that Satan has started. Instead, wake up seeing which fires you can start. Yep. That's just fantastic. That's living life Hell's in victory. Burning, so, <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, so get up and go and go gird your loins for for battle. Mm-hmm. Put on the the shield of faith and the belt of truth and the breastplate of breastplate of righteousness and uh, do those. Do that. Yep. Um, and then go to war. I think sometimes we're we're at war and then we go, oh shoot, I should have I should have put those sandals on. Yeah. So one of the principles for warfare from time eternal is that a um, 
a persistent offense will always beat the strongest defense. Defense is great, and you can be the strongest defense there is, but if there's a persistent offensive coming against that, it will eventually fall. Mm, yeah. And we are often in evangelicalism just in a strong defense. Yeah. If all of our armor and training and warfare is in a defensive posture, and we have a very persistent enemy. Yeah. And if there's anything you learn from Joshua, like that we learned from Joshua, we should have learned, go in and take the land. Take the land. Yeah. That they were more than conquerors. Yep. Like, gird up your loins. Oh, you can do that if you have a immovable faith and a superior Lord and an unshakable kingdom. Ah, look at that. There we go. Hopefully you have been uh, whetted on your appetite for Hebrews. Uh, we have a lot to cover. Um, and I hope that you enjoy cold pizza as we're diving into these verses by verses and unpacking these things in a maximalistic way. So if you uh, are ready to go on a longer journey with us through Hebrews, we're going to be <laughs> touch and go verse by verse. It'll be fun. That'll be fun. So we'll see you guys next week. I want to encourage you to know, love, and obey Jesus as Lord over all. See you guys.